Hello and welcome to Series 6 of the Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries. We hope this podcast can bless you in your day-to-day life as you listen to a range of testimonies about God's faithfulness within the lives of so many. The views expressed in this podcast don't necessarily reflect that of Preset Ministries UK. But without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I am really delighted uh, and it's a real privilege actually to welcome Andy Hawthorne, OBE, to the podcast today. Andy is an out-and-out evangelist. He is the founder of The Message Trust, a Christian mission organization based in Manchester, uh, working for over 25 years, particularly with young people. Uh, His initiatives have been mainly directed at those who are traditionally hard to reach, be they uh, those in prison or from disadvantaged communities. And uh, in recognition of his services to young people, he was awarded Uh, the OBE back in 2011. Uh, Andy's an author. Uh, He was also named uh, the best CEO of a UK charity in the Sunday Times Best Not-for-Profit Organization to work for in 2017 and 2018. Uh, He's married to Michelle. They have two children, Sam and Beth. So Andy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, thanks. Um, Andy, um, two questions to start with, really. Um, how did you come to faith in Jesus would be the first question. And related to that is uh, in a society which some might argue has lost confidence in Christianity and turned its back on God. Why do you follow Jesus? So the two are related, really. Yeah, yeah. OK, so I, I was brought up in a Christian household. My mum and dad both became Christians when I was about three years old, there was a mini revival on Hambleton Road in South Manchester, <laughs> mainly through the ministry of an old lady called Olive Clark, who led all these young bums to the Lord. And then uh, shortly after, the husband seemed to come in kicking and screaming. So I was made to go to an Anglican church from being very young. I found it quite boring. Um, however, when I was 12 years old, I went to a, just a regular secular youth club and a band were playing. I guess a band in 1972, this is not unlike the kind of bands we have at The Message now, you know, an out-and-out rock band. They were all ex-junkies and Jesus people from America. At the end of that gig, an evangelist preached the gospel, and I knew it was for me, and I really believed I'd grown up in it, never really jumped in with both feet. So I commit my life to Christ at that gig, and yet, like so many teenagers, and we see this as well, I struggle to make a real stand for Christ and rebel as a teenager. However... All the way through my rebellious years of not really living it and doing lots of stupid things, my mum and Olive Clark and a bunch of other people were praying for me. I'm praying for my brother, Simon. And every year, my mum would buy uh, the two of us a Christian book and it'd be on the shelf, remain unread. When I was 17, my mum and dad have now moved to Wales, probably to get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my brother was also in all kinds of trouble with the police and uh, drugs and all kinds of nonsense. He started going out with a girl called Leslie. And uh, Leslie had a, a cousin in Blackpool, about 50 miles away from our house. And she went to visit this cousin. And they wandered into a second-hand bookshop. And uh, this girl said to Leslie, you see that book there by this fellow, Arthur Blessit? Arthur Blessit is this evangelist who walked around the world with a cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been in our school, and uh, I really wonder what you think of it. And so uh, she said, I'll buy you the book. It was called Turned On To Jesus. So Leslie's cousin bought this book for her for like five pence and said, read it. And Leslie's like, oh, okay. So she read it and she was impressed enough with this book by Arthur Blessed to give it to her boyfriend, my brother. Simon opened the book and on the inside flap, it said to Simon, 
with Love From Mum, Christmas 1974. And uh, this was a book that my mum had bought for Simon several years previous. And we don't know to this day how it got off our bookshelf in South Manchester, into the second-hand bookshop in Blackpool, <laughs> into his girlfriend's hands and back round to him. No. Pretty, pretty cool story. And the answer is, of course, because people were praying. The hound of heaven was on the move. And so Simon read that book and he was, he was equally impressed. And right, driving down the road one day in his Bedford van, he just said, Jesus, I believe this is true. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. I want to make you Lord. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his van. Had to pull in the side of the road weeping. And next time I saw him, he was a completely different man. And he said, Andy, you've got to get back into this. It's true. Jesus is alive. And I, I went to church with Simon the following Sunday. And they're the same Anglican church we grew up in, actually. And I, I didn't find it that much more exciting, but Simon was full of it. And I remember thinking, though, walking out of that church and thinking, you know what? That's the first good thing I've done for years. I've become so self-centered, being centered, being an idiot, fighting and drinking and partying. And I, I wanted to go back. So for six months, I went to church on a Sunday and still went out, larging it up in Manchester. But after six months, Simon gave his testimony in church, told the story about the book and about the changes that had come into his life since he gave his life to Jesus. And uh, I knew I wanted it. I wanted fully in. And there wasn't an evangelist who invited people forward. I would have been the first down the front. I just went home and knelt down by my bedside and said, Jesus, I'm sorry for not living this for all these years. I want to go for it with everything I've got. And I feel like looking back, that was like over 40 years ago. And I feel like that night, God gave me the heart and something of the gift of the evangelist. In other words, I, I want to tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus because I, I just got filled, fired up and wanted to go out and telling people about Christ. And in some ways, that's what's kept me going the last 42 years. I've never looked back from that, that day, really. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, for those of you who are listening, um, just to say we're joined on a, a on a call online here, so we're not actually um, together in the same room. And so, if if there's any sort of problems with the audio, which I hope there won't be, um, that would be the reason. But so, really, it was your brother, the example of your brother, what happened to your brother, and then his witness standing up that really got you, yeah, interested and, and brought you to yeah. that point of submission. Fantastic. Yes. Now, now, in a society which some might argue has lost confidence in Christianity. Um, you might disagree with that, uh, and turned its back on God. Why do you follow Jesus? I think, you know what, Nigel? I think I would disagree with it. Uh, yeah. Obviously, everybody isn't a full-on raving Christian. Yeah. But God hasn't finished with us yet. And the, you know, the, the numbers of people attending church on a Sunday morning may have gone down. But those of us that are left tend to want to be there. <laughs> we you know we don't go to church anymore because it's the done thing that god is still working big time in his church and i feel we have a church that's more missional uh, and more engaged in community and a church that's ready to i believe impact the nation so i'm full of faith and expectancy so i don't think we've we've uh, turned our back on god yeah but but personally why, why do i think the gospel still works because i see it every single day every day I, you know i now have uh, the message has been going 27 years, started as a one-man band, but now we have thousands of people involved, and many, many of them are uh, former train wrecks who are racked by addiction and brokenness and the stuff that 
you know, no amount of programs and no amount of therapy is going to change, but I see yeah. Jesus changing the human heart every day. So mm. the gospel's lost none of its power. When it's presented relevantly, when Christians are prepared to do what it says in the book, it works like nothing else. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Now, uh, I want to take you back a little bit uh, to the early 90s, and you were a member of the worldwide message tribe called the tribe um now i've got a couple of questions related to this uh, were you first of all were you always musical um and how did the tribe start uh so those are my first couple of questions related to this definitely not always musical anybody who heard me going jumping in the house of god uh, wouldn't say it was musical <laughs> but <laughs> what i what i reckon is that that um fact, i know for sure that the eyes of the Lord are ranging the earth looking for a heart. It says that in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, because yeah. that person, the Bible says, who has a heart after me yeah. and the things I've got a heart for, I'll strongly support, says the Lord. You see, yeah. the Lord isn't looking for the best-looking, sexiest, most talented, most resourced person. He's just looking for someone with a heart. And I know that we came at the Worldwide Message Tribe. It was me and a mate, some dancers from our youth group back in the early 90s, just wanted to reach inner city kids who were lost and broken and forgotten and weren't connected with church. And we decided we were going to form a rap outfit to do that. I originally did some stuff. You know, I used to preach a lot and I did some stuff just to do before I preached. It wasn't very good, but I, I did it in this guy's studio and he liked it. He liked this funny gravelly sort of Sesame street style rapping I was doing. And so he, and he, he was working with some, you know, secular guys are having success and he said i'd like to work with you on this to develop it and initially that's how kind of the worldwide message type form really and uh never planned to sell loads of uh cds we sold about four hundred thousand cds never planned to get invited all over the world it was crazy but our focus was always inner city schools in manchester and really it was the lord it was a remarkable thing yeah. um and still even this summer, I've been traveling around festivals. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere I go, I'll meet someone who said, I came to Christ at one of your gigs or, you know, thank you so much because that kept me going when I was a teenager. I even had this beautiful thing happen um, a couple of weeks ago where I, I was speaking at a large celebration called the One Event in Lincoln. And um, the guy who was speaking at, at another occasion, I was sat there and he said, can I just say, I wouldn't be stood on this stage if it wasn't for that guy. I heard the worldwide message drive at Spring Harvest. I heard him preach, and that's why I'm here today. And then, you know, he spoke to 5,000 people and did an invitation, and I guess about 100 first-time decisions for Christ. And as they're flocking forward, I'm thinking, wow, amazing. What a privilege that I could be involved in something like that. And Yeah, amazing days, really. And it was out of, and really, I had a business at the time. We formed the worldwide message drive, but in any city, Manchester, and it was really just loving doing that so much that, you know, led me to downscale my lifestyle, leave the business and go full time and set up the message trust, which was originally called the message to schools. Because all we had was a schools band called the Worldwide Message Tribe yeah. to go into inner city schools with the gospel. So, yeah, good stuff. Fantastic. Now, you mentioned the message trust. Tell us about the work of the message trust. Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about how it started, but how it's grown, uh, maybe a little bit about its culture. Um, give us a taste of, of the ministry. Yeah, well, it's, it certainly has grown. And uh, we've grown from a, a one-man band in Manchester 
you know, and some volunteers to, uh, we have about 130 staff here in Manchester, but we also have hubs all over the UK now in all the seven key areas of deprivation, like London and Cardiff and Glasgow and the Northeast and Yorkshire and the Midlands and the Northeast. So we have these hubs where, and we try and do three things. Basically, we still try and do the worldwide message tribe thing, but just a lot better than I did it. <laughs> which is ba- which is basically boldly proclaiming the gospel and using music uh, as a tool to to a platform for the gospel. We're not trying to be pop stars. We're not trying to get rich. We're trying to share the good news to as many people as possible. We have ten of these schools teams now. We also do community transformation projects. We work in lots of prisons, sharing Jesus with some very broken young men and women. And we have six high tech youth buses that go out into deprived communities. And uh, but perhaps the thing we're best known for now is what are called Eden teams. Yeah, uh, we have seventy-two of these Eden. Well, there's not seventy-two active. Some have become mature over the last twenty years and are embedded in a local church. But seven hundred people have chosen to live downwardly mobile, living in our most deprived communities all over the UK and now in South Africa and Canada and Germany. Really precious thing. Started with a gig by the Worldwide Message Tribe. Um, 22 years ago in Bench Hill, which was then the most deprived ward in Britain. And we did a concert. I preached. 100 kids gave their life to Christ. It was roughest, toughest kids you can imagine. Not only that, but they all turned up for church on Sunday. I mean, nobody told them you don't bring dogs and skateboards to church. <laughs> but but it, was, uh, it was amazing. And for us, this was like the fulfillment of our heart and vision as a band. And so... Uh, but how does a little church, the church had about 20 people in it, how does it cope with 100 kids who've come from generations of unemployment and addiction and brokenness? And so we pragmatically decided to move some people into Bench Hill, pull the boarding up off the houses and move move young adults in there to try and disciple these kids. And it, it was amazing. And then when we saw the fruit there in Bench Hill and the change that started to come, we realized that, we needed to do these other places. And so mm. we've kind of done 72 Eden teams in the last 22 years. It's been an amazing thing. We've got a vision for you know, a thousand workers living in these deprived neighborhoods. Yeah, um, absolutely brilliant. We, we, um, we go to a local Anglican church ourselves here in Salisbury and support a couple called Stephen and Liana yes, Roast. Yes, great people. Who moved into Gorton, which is, yeah. which is the equivalent of Bench Hill 22 years ago. You know, very yeah. tough, very rough neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Precious people because of that heart for the, the last and the least and the lost. So, yeah, it's okay to give you money, but to actually give the best years of your life and sign up. The queer say to Eden team members who join as a volunteer team, volunteer workforce, you know, think five years minimum. Think long term, you know, move in bring your kids up in the local school, serve in the local neighborhood, and you'll see transformation come. Because the goal is not just, you know, bums on seats on a Sunday morning. It's community transformation in the name of Christ. So it's a precious thing. So community transformation teams, and then the final bit of the jigsaw puzzle, which in the last seven years we've started to do is what we call Christ-centered enterprise. And we have nine businesses uh, where we meet ex-offenders at the gate who've made a commitment to Christ of prison or we meet them coming out of rehab and we we give them a job and a home and lots of wrap round support and uh, only a tiny amount of them end up reoffending. so it's really precious and Jesus talked about ministry in two ways he talked about it like 
lamp on a stand, city on a hill, great tree that all the birds can gather. And you know, something big and you can't miss it and it's loud and it's lively and it, you know, preaching the gospel can change a city in a day. I believe that still. Mm. But he also talked about ministry as salt and yeast, where a little bit goes in anonymously and visibly, but it makes a huge difference to the whole thing. And, and I think he modeled that perfectly, you know, preaching to the masses on the hillside, yeah. but also turning his attention to the one <laughs> demoniac or one prostitute mm. or one gang member. Mm. And I believe that's the way, transformation comes i believe it should be what every church is about big mm. vision faithful vision that the gospel's lost none of its power but also working that out in terms of reaching the hardest to reach absolutely. and that's what that's what we try and do with the message yeah absolutely fantastic now um why has and is god growing the work why do you think that is uh, well, I, I know you. I know you rely on him, and and yeah, it's a faith-filled mission. But why? Why is he doing? Why is he doing it? Yeah. Well, I think, and we're, clearly we're not perfect. We make lots of mistakes, but I think we are trying to do his work his way. And his work is God's heart. You know what I said? The eyes of the Lord rage the earth, looking for the heart. God's heart is for the poor, the lost, the broken. You can't read the Bible or look at His Son when He came to Earth without saying that God's got a special heart for the most hurting. But He's also he died on the cross to win the world. You know, he wants the lost to be found, people who are without Christ. So if you make those two things his focus and you pray a lot, then he's going to bless it. He's <laughs> going to take very ordinary people and do extraordinary things through them. Yeah. And uh, I say that, you know, I haven't got a job description actually because I started it. But if I did have, <laughs> if I did have it, it'd have two lines. It'd have keep mission hot, Christ-centered mission, and keep prayer hot. So I'm constantly testing the temperature are we reaching more people than ever have we still got his heart for the most hurting and are we fueling it with prayer so every day at the message we pray we have whole seasons of prayer once a month we have a full day of prayer we have weeks of prayer and fasting you know i'm not naturally the type of guy who might retreat to the secret place for prayer but i know unless i do unless we as a team we ain't going to see the results that we could do yeah 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 um now, as a ministry, our heart is to equip people with, with studying the Word of God. So, uh, you know, the Word of God is so important to us as a ministry. But what place does the Word have in, in what you do in the ministry of, of the Message Trust? Yeah, it's massive. I, I used to say that uh, the Message is a story-driven movement. You know, we're, we're inspired by the stories of ex-addicts coming to Christ and people whose lives were just a complete mess. Now they've been transformed and he, Jesus has done the thing that only he can do. And of course, we love to share our stories. But recently, I think God convicted me about that. No, we're not a story-driven movement. We're a scripture-driven movement. Hmm. It's only out of scripture that we get any of our stories about trying to hold on. And we, you know, we've got touchstone scriptures all over the building if you come here that god's spoken to us through his word and so the word of god is is everything it's 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 our inspiration i believe it's it i, I haven't got any right to get any tipex out and tipex out the bits that i don't like yeah. some, sometimes i don't even agree with the word of god but it's not my book it's his <laughs> you know and I, and I believe going forward with that this is your word and i say to our guys in our bands and all these funky crazy young rappers with tattoos and daft haircuts i say what your job title is you're a bible teaching evangelist wow. our job is our job is to get the word of god out there in language that young people can understand 
And do you do you train them to do that? I mean, how do you how do you practically do that? I mean, do you do Bible studies with them? Do you? I mean, yeah. how, how do you... every day, every day we'll study the Word as a team. We have a, a specific year out program. I mean, many of our leaders joined our Message Academy, which is really wrestling with what the Bible says and bringing in some great Bible teachers. So every day we'll study the Bible. So we'll start the day looking at a scripture passage. We'll yeah. be work, at the moment, as a team, we're working through the book of Luke. Yeah. And, we're working, and we're working through the book of James. So we'll take a book and we'll study it and dig into it and ask questions around it. Yeah. You know, I, I encourage everybody to have a, a Bible reading plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, my plan is to read the New, Te- New Testament twice in a year and Old Testament once. I actually... I'm not really succeeding in that plan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, keep, I keep getting stuck. I keep yeah. stopping. And I don't want it to be a speed reading exercise, but I have got in my Bible, I'm ticking them off every day. I'm yeah. determined to start the day in the word of God, right. firstly on my own and then with the team. So the Bible is, well, it's, it's life for us. Yeah. I mean, that is, so, that, I, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to hear. And I guess for, I mean, do you ever have uh, people from secular organizations, uh, non-Christians coming around and um, saying, you know, asking about what you do and all the rest of it. And they, they pick up something of the fact that this is so important to you. And does it affect them? Absolutely. I mean, we have people coming in because we, we, one of the businesses we have, uh, is an events business. So we have a, a bunch of five or six meeting spaces of different sizes. And the businesses who fill those businesses, well, it's the NHS and Timson's, you know, the shoe yeah. shops and, and a whole bunch of businesses like that who come in, use our facilities. Huh. But we're always having conversation. And we're always praying with people. And in fact, I had the council, the guy, senior guy from the council come around a little while ago. And as he walked out, he said, wow, I wasn't expecting that. He said, it's like, google <laughs> and i thought actually what kind of high praise not some noddy little christian organization tied together with band-aid and all a bit cheesy and old-fashioned but just yeah. these amazing creatives and there's vibe and there's dynamism and you know the reason i think we got that not only did i yeah you kindly said i got chief executive of the year the reason we got charity of the year by the sunday times was against all these massive you know secular charities was just because of the the culture that comes out of the freedom you see the word of god sets you free it's not meant to be a rule book it's a it's life it's a love letter and if you live by the word of god you end up in incredible freedom incredible joy even through all sorts of challenges and trials and uh, people should just try it amen get in the bag get in the bag especially start with the new testament read it with an open heart and open mind it will utterly change your life amen amen to that and uh, if you need some help with that, um, obviously you've, uh, you've heard about Andy and his work, but do come to us as a ministry uh, because we, God's raised up precept to equip people with a very simple, practical, effective skills to study the word of God. Now, in 2008, you were one of the founders of an initiative called Hope 08. Yeah, that's right. Myself and Mike Pilavacci and Roy Crown are two mates of mine, yeah. yeah so how did Hope 08 get started and what were you seeking to achieve through it? Well, uh, it got started uh, over a cup of coffee at Soul Survivor with two old friends, Roy Crown and Mike Pilavacci, who'd been involved in youth ministry. Uh, Mike headed up Soul Survivor, and Roy, at that point, headed up Youth for Christ. And uh, we were just chatting about that we were working very hard 
and doing some stuff that was blessed, but we were well aware we weren't reaching the nation. But we kind of felt, oh, we know enough people who could. If we all join forces and work smart and cut down on a bit of duplication, perhaps we could see the church mobilize them. We, we committed ourselves, so I guess it must be 2006, to visit as many people who have influence. The three of us would go as humbly as possible and say, what about a year when the whole church went for the whole nation for a whole year? What about if we weren't too prescriptive, but we agreed to do it in words and actions, you know, demonstrate the love of Christ and share the love of Christ and bring an invitation. And uh, so we went for it and uh, there were hundreds, I think possibly even thousands of local events. And uh, we were working like hard, hard on it in Manchester and it's continued on um, even next year under the sort of advanced 2020 banner. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. hope is throwing lots uh, behind that and, and continues on as a galvanizing force. It's not, we're going to do loads of mission through hope. Let's just, here's lots of ideas, here's stuff that's worked, here's partners, let's bring people together. You know, the reason I think Jesus' great prayer for the church was uh, that we'd be one. When he prayed for us, the people would become, come to him yeah. in, in centuries to come. I pray there'll be one because he knew very well the only thing that could stop us fulfilling the Great Commission, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, was if we carved ourselves up into 56,000 competing denominations. Yep. So he prayed we'd be one. You see, we've got all the resources we need. We've got all the people, all the money, all the buildings. We just need to work smart and make that, you know, that main thing the main thing. Yep. And so hope has, you know, I think, been a galvanizing force towards that. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Now, um, change tax slightly. Uh, in 2011, you were awarded an OBE uh, for services to young people. I, I, I mean, it's not everybody that gets an OBE, an award, and goes to the palace. So it's just a sort of quick question, really. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was, it was really nice, actually. It was great. And I felt it was a bit of a fraud because, you know, there's all these thousands of people serving so faithfully, and I get the reward. But it was a bit like having your obituary before you died though you know because so many people it was actually it was really quite special so many stories so many people sent beautiful letters and emails in and uh we went to the it was funny because we went to the palace and we're there with like the good and the great jessica ennis and tim brooke taylor and all these people getting their awards and uh the guy in all his fancy stuff in booking pals came out and said presenting the awards today is his royal highness prince charles and everybody went Oh, <laughs> not because anything wrong with Prince Charles, a lovely guy, but we all wanted the Queen, you know. We are like, oh, we missed the day when the Queen's doing it. Yeah. But I think she doesn't do too many of them nowadays. But anyway, <laughs> so it's Prince Charles who gave me my OBE. But, um, and somebody said it stands for an old big head, but I hope not. Because uh, you've, you've got to be careful with these things, haven't you? That, uh, no, I know, I know. Uh, that you don't, but, but yeah, it was a beautiful thing. And the thing I loved was, you know, on the, uh, on the sort of nomination, it said Andy Hawthorne is an evangelist. And uh, he's receiving it for, you know, work with young people. And, you know, that, I love that. that it's not, I don't yeah. think there's too many evangelists who get these. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's not because they're like wanting to honor the preacher of the word of God, but it's the results. Yeah. The fact yeah. that only 2% of the people we work with re-offended. Yeah. Was just absolutely. saving society absolutely millions. Yeah. And we want that, don't we? We want people to be recognizing that. So yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now you are an author in 2017. You wrote a book uh, also with other contributors called 
being the message, lessons learnt from the front line. Uh, being a military guy myself, or former military guy, uh, I can relate to that title, mm. um, the front line. Uh, tell us about the book. Yeah, it was a book that we wrote because we felt there were some values that we'd stumbled upon. And like you say, you know, how come the message has grown faster than just about any other charity? I think, actually percentage-wise, it probably has um, over the last 25 years. And um, there's some stuff that we've done. And like I said, and so it's, there's a chapter. I've written about five chapters. Some of the rest of the leadership team have written chapters. And it's for anybody who wants to get under the skin of the message. But it's also required reading if you're going to join the message. So if you're going to join an either team or you're going to come for an interview or you want to volunteer, read this. And if you get this, you'll love it. You'll love working with us. And so there's a chapter about keeping prayer hot, chapter about keeping mission hot, the chapter about not taking yourself too seriously, chapter about walking with integrity, chapter about thinking like an entrepreneur, having faith for finances, whole, you know, just the stuff we built the message on and the, the things we've stumbled on over the years. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, we're encouraged by it. And, I, I'm, you know, I, as I say, I can say this because I didn't write it all. Um, I feel it's a, it's a fitting explanation of here's the message. Yeah. Read it. You know, you can get it online or get it through the message website and I uh, hope you'll find it encouraging. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, you're a key figure in this initiative called Advanced 2020. You, you made a brief mention to it. Um, tell, us about, uh, tell us about this initiative for 2020. What inspired you to launch it? And what are your plans and your dreams for this initiative? Yeah, well, honestly, Nigel, I think the most significant thing I'm involved at the moment is everything under this advanced umbrella. Basically, what happened was, I wonder when it was, like about four years ago, some Ugandan guy called John Bunjo, a friend of mine, came over uh, and he phoned me and he said, I have a word from the Lord for your team. So, uh, so I'm like, okay, John. So I gathered everybody and he's amazing, this guy. And his word was really simple, actually, from Isaiah 60. But arise, shine. You're going to see a next level. You're going to see open doors. It says in Isaiah 60, the gates will open. And the beautiful chapter finishes by saying, the least will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. And he just felt convinced everything was about to go to the next level. And he said, and you need to go away, Andy, and seek the Lord. And uh, so John Bunjo meant, you know, three weeks in the desert fasting. <laughs> but I'm, I managed to find a couple of days to go to the Lake District. And, well, God really spoke to me. And he spoke to me about two things I felt. One was it's time to go big again time to really put the lamp on a stand, preach the gospel, yep. try, try and get as many schools and book as many big arenas as you can to, you know, unashamedly sow lots of gospel seed. But it's also time to train the evangelists, time to make sure that wherever possible, that we're faithfully proclaiming a biblical gospel, we're calling people to discipleship and repentance, that we're yep. living the right kind of lifestyle. That's both character and spiritual disciplines yeah. uh, and that we're we're praying a lot for one another so i formed a group actually gathered by 12 sort of best most fruitful young evangelists in the message and i said guys let's do this let's meet once a month sharp on one another share our stories pray for one another let's have some accountability questions we'll look at and let's wrestle with what kind of gospel are we preaching and uh, so and i said also within 12 months i'd love you to be thinking who could you gather around you? And Emma Owen, who's one of our best lady evangelists at the message, she formed a girls group 
kept it single sex just deliberately because I wanted there to be a, a real high level of transparency about lifestyle. And yeah. uh, so that 12 has now become 700 in the UK. Seven, <laughs> seven, it's amazing. So there's 700 people, but more exciting than that, there's now 40 plus nations uh, that are now doing advance around the world. And we translated it into multiple languages as fast as we possibly can. Um, some beautiful partners have come on, particularly Lewis Palauer, uh, you know, the Lewis Palauer Association. Lewis yeah. Palauer is one of the sort of statesman evangelists. And uh, they've just taken it on hook, line, and sinker. And they're in like 170 nations and they're fueling it as fast as they can. And so, yeah, it feels like this really is the Lord and, and it's properly out of control <laughs> in, a, in a good way. Uh, so so that's, that's advanced the groups. But in 2020, we're trying to, say to everybody who's involved in this about 100 different ministries what about if we all went for it in 2020 what about if we really stepped up and so we've got our plans to present the gospel to 200,000 young people through different events in schools and so many other partners are bringing their plans to say about 100 partners in terms of mission and I think it could be the biggest year of gospel proclamation across the nation in my lifetime really? so how, and, how, how does Preset Ministries UK get involved well, you, you, well get, you know, it's a discipleship ministry. Well, what you do is you, uh, there's three ways you can do you, you let us know you want to be involved and you can be a partner on our website and we'll push people towards your resources. Yeah. You also think about, this is what I'm saying, think about what does it look like to step up to the next level in terms of mission. We're saying to people, don't just do, it's not same old, same old. Let's join forces. But also on October the 12th, uh, the Bethel Convention Center, we're having a, a, a summit where we're gathering these 100 ministries, 1,500 people to hear great stories and pray. And we've got Ravi Zacharias coming along and a bunch of other amazing speakers. There's about, you know, a couple of hundred of us here from Manchester getting on buses for the message to join people from all over the UK. So, yeah. And it's not an exclusive thing. People who have the same heart want to reach those who don't know Jesus. Yeah. So October the 12th. And the website, which has lots of resources about running groups, but also lots of information about the summit on October the 12th, is advanced2020.org. Okay. Okay, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, listen, I, I need to speak to the team here, um, but it's, uh, it's something that, I, you know, we're better together. Of course, God commands a blessing. Psalm one three three, doesn't yeah. he? When, yeah, when, and uh, there's you know there's unity. If together we'll do three things, if together we'll have faith to believe the gospel still works, you know, even like you say, sometimes you feel on the back foot. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. If yeah. we share it relevantly, biblical gospel, it works. It changes lives. Yeah, if yeah. we've got, if we're willing to bring the invitation, you know, actually we'll. We'll go, we'll, we'll, sorry about that. Uh, if we're, we're willing to bring the invitation yeah. uh, and we're communicating with clarity, you know, to, in language that people can understand, not weird and religious. If we just be normal people, yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. Got, we've got faith and we bring the, guess what? People come to Christ left, right and center. Yeah, I mean, my, my feed, so I have a WhatsApp group. My feed is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think more people have come to Christ this last weekend than, through not just the message, but all these evangelists were trained in the never before. 
No. Well, we, we, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we all need to play our bit, don't we? Um, you know, we need the evangelists out there to, to, to do as you're talking about, to, to communicate it in a relevant way. But once people come to Christ, then they need to be discipled and they need to be, you know, all the yeah. hand. And, and um, so um, I think, yeah. Um, note to self, word with the team and let's. Uh, Great. Let's, that's what we can do in terms of, of playing our part in this. Yeah, in your part of the world and through your resources, that would be amazing. Yeah. And what, what I, I feel like, I feel yeah. like the church has had this fantastic HR department in, in terms of we're good at caring for people and good at patching people up, and we're, but, but we're a little bit insular and we've not been good at sales and marketing. Yeah. And, you know, we, need, we need the sales and marketing force, um, the evangelists released, who'll bring them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that you know the HR department can look after yeah, them and make sure yeah. you know they're getting everything they need. Yeah, fantastic. From a military perspective, yeah, we need the intelligence, but we need the operations and the logistics to 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 support all that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, um, you have uh, mentioned the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God, and obviously, uh, the 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 title of this podcast is the Bible and me. So I've got some questions related to that, uh, going on from what you said before. So why is the Word of God so important to you? Well, because it's God's written Word to mankind, and without, without the Bible, we wouldn't actually know the way to be saved, the way to eternal life. It's how God has shared with us. So we have Jesus, the character of Jesus, the person, the Savior, the living Word, but the written Word illumines the living word, if you like, yeah. it means Jesus. So without the Bible, I'm lost because I wouldn't know the way to be saved. So it's pretty important. Yeah. But right. also, it's, so, so there's the big, the big macro. We need to understand how to get right with God. And that's revealed in the Bible. Yeah. But, but there's also the personal, the, the journey of the message has been driven through scripture. The night I had the first idea, even before the Worldwide Message Drive, to organize something with my brother called Message 88 which was going to be Manchester's biggest ever youth mission, you know, as if, but, and it was in the end, but it's so the Lord. But that night God spoke to me through Isaiah 43. And that was my set reading for the day. And it says, uh, commit your way. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Forget the former things. See, I'm doing a new thing. There'll be rivers in the desert, streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honor me. It goes on to say those I formed to declare my praise. And in some ways, you'll find those scriptures all around our building. We've never left those scriptures. God's doing a new thing. He's, see, I'm doing a new thing. He's, we're an apostolic breakthrough movement, but we're a rivers in the desert movement. We're a kind of revival. The hardest places can come to life. And what a wild animals will honor me. We're, you know, which was a good description of some of the lads I used to employ in my business. And still some of the former lives of the people we're working with and lots of the people we still see on the estates or in the prisons. They're living like wild animals, but that's not what God's got for them. Yeah. Isn't that a form to declare his praise? Yeah. Isn't that incredible? I mean, yeah, I love, you know, how scripture so speaks into a particular situation or is, I guess, is this like your charity verse? Would it be? Yeah. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, I think there's, there's really three, there's two others that, you know, the whole book's full of great stuff. But there's Isaiah 43, which is something that we haven't left. And that's over 30 years now. And yep. then Psalm 37, the first time I spoke publicly about Eden was uh, with a group of church leaders. And I said, look, we've got a vision for moving people into 
the UK's most deprived neighbourhoods and would you pray for us? Would you give us some money and would you send some of your best people? <laughs> Amazingly enough, they said yes. So five, five minutes after that meeting finished, I was sat in a car park in Manchester with my brother and a guy came and knocked on the car window and uh, we were on the window down and he said, oh, excuse me, lads, I don't know if you understand this kind of thing, if you're Christians, but I believe I've got a word from God for you. Yeah. I'd sat there praying and since found this guy's like mighty man of God works for YWAM, prays out for hours every day, and here's the Lord. And he'd been reading Psalm 37. He just said, I don't get this, but I think I'd be disobedient if I didn't read these verses. Yeah. Psalm, Psalm 37 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he'll do this. The righteousness of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Goes on to say, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. And uh, honestly believe that in that car park, Almighty God said, we're going to see something so much bigger. The righteousness of the cause is going to shine like the noonday sun. Now, you know, I may not be the perfect guy. I'm certainly not. The cause is hot on God's heart. The yeah, cause yeah. of the poor and the lost. And so, you know, that was our second touchstone scripture, which just even to share it, and I've shared that, as you can imagine, loads of times. I can feel faith coming again. Yes, yeah. God, you did say that in that car park. It was you. I know it was. State my life on it. And the third one probably was that Psalm 60 stuff on the back of, of John Bunjo's visit. And there's so much in there for the whole chapter. It's just... talk about Isaiah 60. I, Isaiah 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said Psalm 60. Yeah, Isaiah 60. Oh, oh did I? Sorry. Uh, no, sorry. no, no. Don't be sorry. No, no, no. Because you were talking Isaiah, about Psalm 7. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Isaiah 60, yeah. Isaiah yeah, yeah. 60. That would, that would be the, you know, and we've put massive banners up in our main meeting room with our eyes shine for your lights come, just to remind us. Yeah, absolutely. How impacted that scripture is to us. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. I mean, just recently, I mean, uh, in my own life, and uh, one Thessalonians chapter two verse thirteen has been so important to me. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but for what it really is—the yeah. word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So the word of God performs the work in those who believe. And then just recently, from Nehemiah, actually. And I don't know whether this may, may um, resonate with you. Uh, this is obviously Nehemiah getting back to the city. Uh, this is in chapter 2, verse 17. I said to them who he gathered around him, you see the bad situation that we're in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates are burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words, which he had spoken to me. They said, let us arise and build. Amen. Yeah. Great. Great. So, um, now, um, you talked about why the word of God's important. You talked about some of your favorite Bible verses. Uh, do you have a favorite Bible character or book? I mean, you, I know you've mentioned those verses, but is there a particular character that you think, you know what? And yeah. I've had all sorts of answers to this. I was interviewing yeah. Carl Beach the other day. Okay. And he gave me, um, anyway, whoever he gave me, but it was, it was an odd Old Testament character. Yeah, probably. Eglon, Eglon. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think possibly Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, just because I can relate to him both in, you know, shooting his mouth off sometimes when he needs to be careful and being a bit impetuous and a hothead, but, but a passion for Christ and very ordinary guy that God was willing to use. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that. You know, Jesus, 
said to Peter, look, you're the rock. <laughs> you're like Rocky. I'm going to build my church on your testimony, mate, and on, on what you bring. And, you know, that was when he was a, like, fisherman. He's obviously the kind of guy who would chop people's ears off and run off denying Jesus at one point. And yet God turned it all around. So I can really relate to Peter. Favorite book in the Bible, I think, would be the Gospel of Mark. Okay. I love it because it's fast. It's the shortest gospel. It's fast moving. There's lots of suddenlies. It's, it's action packed. It's, but it's Jesus. He's amazing. Because at the end of the day, you know, without Jesus, we're stuffed, aren't we? But, but, and Jesus says, you know, sometimes religious nonsense can just do your head in, especially as an evangelist, you can get so frustrated. And, and sometimes, you know, it's hard. We, we are at the message taking out some of Satan's generals, if you like. And with that, you get some attention and there's hassle and pressure often on all fronts. But then you come back to Jesus and it's all worth it because he's amazing. He's, yeah, you know, wonderful. Yeah. Now, now, you travel uh, widely. Uh, we're coming into land here now on, on the, on the uh, podcast. You travel widely. You speak to lots of people. Uh, you've had the opportunity to address members of parliament uh, as well uh, at the Houses of Parliament. Um, what do you sense about what's going on in our nation today? Yeah. Well, I honestly sense it. I mean, I, you know, I, by nature, I'm always a glass half full guy. I'm an optimist, but honestly, I believe we've experienced pruning for growth. I believe God hasn't finished with us yet. And I'm fully expecting to see a major move of God in my lifetime in this nation. I'm praying for it. I'm believing for it. So I don't think God's finished and, and uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep working, but I see signs of life anywhere anywhere there's a bit of faith anywhere people are prepared to pray and preach the gospel faithfully people are getting saved left right and center people are coming to christ god really is on the move in our funny little nation and so you know i realize there's a long way to go but even if i look as i look at manchester in my lifetime the just the transformation really the church that's working together and it's engaged in community and you know, I remember going to see the Bishop of Manchester when we first started and saying, Bishop, you know, I've got this vision to do all this youth work. And he said, oh, well, God bless you, young man, but I can't really help you because I've got 364 churches I oversee and I can't think of a single lively youth work. Well, man, that is not the case now. So, yeah. So I'm full of expectancy is the answer. And, uh, you know, if you came here on Monday and Tuesday next week, we'll have two full days of prayer you know 250 of our team in the room and you saw the passion and heard the stories you'd say god's on the move i know you would absolutely brilliant so uh, just as we finish um how can we pray for you well pray um you know i think how big well pray personally for real wisdom as i say you know when for people in more than 40 nations are now reaching out to us to be fueled in evangelism. I want to know how to facilitate that without being controlling, but you know, how to have the right level of accountability. So that's, you know, how do we fuel the incredible season of growth we're in as a ministry? Our greatest need is, is workers. You know, we need workers for the harvest field. We need workers who will live in the deprived communities. We need workers who will launch advanced groups. We need workers who will spend a year on our academy program, young adults. So workers for the harvest field, you know, the, the Lord said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll thrust out workers. Well, you pray, he'll thrust out some through the message trust. And maybe, you know, you could be the answer to your own prayer 
there's a website message.org.uk read about the exciting things we're doing and maybe come and join us um here in the uk and indeed all over the world we're working now absolutely brilliant so wisdom and workers <laughs> yeah that's it yeah yeah that's it and wealth not for me <laughs> not for the harvest i'm happy i'm happy with what i got but we do need millions of pounds to see it all done so yeah www yeah, yeah that's it that's all right well listen andy you'll make a preacher yet nigel with three points <laughs> over give you the same letter oh well listen um it's been a real privilege to have this time with you on the podcast seriously and it's just amazing uh, to hear just a smidgen of all that the Lord has done in and through you and in countless other lives as well. I mean, it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. So I know you'd give all the glory to the Lord for that, uh, and that's only right and proper, but, but you, you know, you've been willing servants, and, um, and you're a great example to many, many people across our nation. So I pray for God's blessing uh, on you. I pray for that wisdom that you need. Um, as you say, it sounds as though it's going to yet, you know, higher and higher yeah. levels. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about that. Uh, and that the Lord would provide for all you need, both workers and wealth. So thank you so much. Uh, and we look forward to uh, maybe connecting with you as well next year. And let's see what God may do. Beautiful. Thanks a lot, Nigel. All right. God bless. Cheers. You've been listening to Series 6 of the Bible Me podcast by Preset Ministries. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review. For more information on the inductive study method or any of our online resources or downloads, please visit www.preset.org.uk. But until next time, thank you for listening.